You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I'm trying a few things with sound. I... Sean Woodley, who runs Locked On Raptors, is actually the head of the MLB. Great guy. Gave me some great feedback on the podcast as part of what he does. And he said there were some sound issues he was detecting, so I'm making sure to turn a few other things off. But again, uh, to those who listen all the time, uh, let me know if you're detecting a change, if this is better, is this worse. I am not technically uh, a fantastic person for things. I'll be meeting with our major sound guy, Doug Branson, this week, hopefully to get the sound even better on the podcast. But I just wanted to kind of loop in our listeners and uh, say feedback is always much appreciated and something I really look forward to and appreciate and helps make this podcast better. So don't feel bad. Let me know if something doesn't sound right. Let me know if I'm doing things wrong. Uh, I want to get better. I want this podcast to get better. I want to make it something so we can continue to grow it out. So that's just a little plea at the start of the episode. So, everything over this weekend was, again, about Francisco Lindor when it comes to the Indians. Every article, every piece, and, of course, everything was about the Mets and Yankees. Uh, Can you imagine a world, I'm just going to set it up, and we talked about it on the podcast on Friday, where the Mets signed DJ LeMayhew and uh, and trade for Francisco Lindor? (laughs) That would be, talk about a way for uh, Steve Cohen to make a splash. I saw an interesting piece. About well, I don't think DJ LeMayhew. I think he's like Andy Pettit. He's gonna stay. He wants to be a Yankee, and I'm like, DJ LeMayhew's never really had free agency. This is gonna be his chance to make money. I don't think he cares. I don't think it matters other than a dollar sign. Uh, when he hit free agency a few years ago after leaving Colorado, he was not the guy he is now. Yes, he had won a batting title, but he did not have the hype train he currently has. So I think he is going to be out there looking for a lot of money. And again, if uh, I was talking with Dylan Short, who's a great guy, runs Locked On Braves, and we were discussing will the uh, the DH occur next year. And it's like it, players want it, teams want it, but will Manfred allow it? Probably not. And if there's, it could come in, but at the same time, uh, it's an easy concession. It's just a thing you can be like, okay, we'll give you this, but we need this. And even if the teams know it's an easy concession, the fact you have it gives you something else in your quiver as opposed to if they just give it up now. So I think, I think basically long and short of it, I think there's a good chance we don't see a DH next year, which makes the Mets to be in an awkward situation. I'm also very curious to see what Sandy Alderson does with the Mets. We've talked about the Mets so much. You know, their Van Wagen is leaving after. I mean, I think it's probably going to... I mean, the J.D. Davis trade looks great. I don't know if it's enough to balance out the terrible Cano deal in general. And Cano was fantastic last year, but he needs to go to a team with the DH. I just don't know where he goes. I don't know how they work a trade. I don't know how you figure it out. He is owed some large amounts of money, and he you want him just not handling second base anymore. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do. It's going to be interesting to see what the Mets do. Sandy Alderson built the war chest that uh, was then pilfered to go out and make some maneuvers. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if Alderson's going to kind of go back to slow playing it. He drafted a lot of those guys who were there. Uh, he, you know, he's a big Dom Smith guy, so that, you know, as am I, so I understand that, but I think it could be 
interesting just in terms of seeing what the Mets are going to do and how they're going to approach things. Uh, there was a minor re-signing. I thought it was interesting that the Blue Jays re-signed Robbie Ray for $8 million. Um, not a ton of money for a starter, but he was not good. But at the same time, like the Blue Jays did pretty well with their pitching. They seemed to have a solid base in place. Um, you know, they, they went out and signed uh, Ryu, and he was a Cy Young candidate. You got Pearson, who is was I'm not as high on, but is largely considered one of the uh, top uh, pitching prospects in baseball coming into last year. Tanner Rourke, who's been a solid back-end guy. Ross Stripling was a nice, uh, cheap get who's got some years of control. So it just helps set them up with uh, another arm, and you can never have enough starters, I think is the basically what we're seeing. So why am I talking about the New York teams on top of just my general love of everything the Mets have? I apologize. I didn't realize I had... Uh, sounds on in the background but it came up and you know i get asked questions so what are the trades that would make sense with lindor and i occasionally get asked about specific teams so um at uh db size asked about the angels you know could there be something where it's like lindor and carrasco for uh, joe adele something along those lines um Basically, my response is, I don't see the Angels as a real trade candidate. And the reason for that is, unless they're trading back David Fletcher, uh, and I don't think they're willing to do that, I think, you know, they would like to have him play a second or a third base for them. And yes, they could conceivably um, add contract money because Pujols' contract is nearly up and that's going to be some money off the books but remember that is a contract that keeps running that is a gift that keeps giving there's a lot of deferred money in that one but uh yeah without Adele it's like Brandon Marsh it's hard to make him a centerpiece he's still kind of far away and he's not a slam dunk prospect I mean he's not far away he could help a team next year that's not true but he's not a slam dunk prospect um I don't know how you make a deal work but I think it would have to revolve around Fletcher and I, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. The Angels aren't trading Joe Adele. That's just that's going to be a non-starter uh, for them. So any deal with the Angels would be involving someone other than Adele. So I just thought I would tackle that one. And then I got asked about the Yankees again. Uh, I feel like I should be like, you know, the da- the Daily Lindor trade brought to you by, uh, you know, here's your chance. If you want to sponsor the uh, contact Locked On, if you want to be the the sponsor for our Lindor trade rumor uh, part of this program, because that's going to be almost every single day, but uh, some discussion of that. So yeah, uh, you know, brought to you currently by Jeff Ellis, because I don't have a sponsor for it. But if you'd like to sponsor that, contact Locked On, uh, your daily Lindor trade idea. So I was looking at the Yankees, because everyone, I got quite a few questions about that from Yankees fans and from Indians fans. And What's interesting about the Yankees in general is they're probably stuck with Stanton. He makes a lot of money, and he's a DH, and he has had injury issues. And I know I talked about how the Indians could uh, make a trade work where the Yankees pick up like almost all of his salary, but that's also very unlikely to happen. So looking at the Yankees in general, this is a team that reportedly, reportedly, no, reportedly wants to cut some contracts, some salary uh, from where they are. They have some free agents. James Paxton, I know, is uh, is out of town. Uh, J.A. Happ's option is declined. Uh, Tommy Kaline, they decide to waive rather than pay. 
So they've done a little bit of work on that. Uh, they do have needs, but this is kind of my long and short of how to get to how a Lindor trade makes sense. So if the Yankees trade for Lindor and they feel confident they can sign him, Glaber Torres was not good last year. Uh, he was good in the playoffs against the Indians, but the bat was not the same. And defensively, he does not look like he can stick a shortstop long term. So what do you do with him? Uh, especially if LeMahieu signs elsewhere, he moves to second base pretty permanently. So then you could have Frazier, or Frazier, you could have uh, Lindor at short with Torres at second base. So what would you ask the Yankees for and what would the Yankees be willing to trade? I think at the end of the day, I was, I was debating a few different deals for this. And I think that there's two names. It's Luke Voigt and it's Clint Frazier. And I know that might seem crazy, but... The thing with Luke Voigt is he's a DH. He is a, even as a first baseman, he brings such negative value as a defender. You just want to drop him at DH and forget about him. Uh, his down year last year, I mean, it was considered a down year, and he still had a very strong season. I have some concerns with this season. Uh, the walk percentage was way down, and I mean, he hit as many home runs in like one third the chances this year. So I, and he is a guy who is. 29 years of age so it, and he's entering his arbitration as is Clint Frazier is starting both of them are entering arbitration years but I think it means that neither of them are a free agent until the 2025 season so you get him from 21, 22, 23, 24 four years of control for both players straight up for Lindor um, that may not work now looking at projected arbitration uh, they are about I don't know about five million together, and Lindor is probably about twenty, so that's a fifteen million dollar difference. I don't know how tight things are for the Indians, but a way to balance out the money there uh, a little bit more and balance out value would be to take on Adam Odovino's contract, and he's a guy who's pitched very well for the Yankees, and he's a guy that maybe the Indians can fix. I don't know, or maybe they even take on part of the money. Maybe they, the Yankees, send money with him to make it a deal that makes more sense. Because he makes um, $9 million this year, I want to say, top of my head. Could be wrong there. But if he makes $9 million, if the Yankees pick up five of that, then that's still uh, essentially, when you get down to it, the, of the $20 million that Lindor is going to cost, probably a little less, the Yankees would be sending out $5 million in contracts and $4 million in, uh, in what they're picking up in his contract. So that's $9 million off of Lindor, so then it's only about $10 million in salary for the year. That might make it a little bit easier for the Yankees. Um, for the Indians, you get an arm that maybe you can fix, and if not, he's a free agent at the end of the year. And I'll talk about those two players and lineup construction with the thoughts of this trade in a moment here. Today's sponsor is Built Bar. I got my brand new Built Bar order today. Uh, I guess technically it was yesterday, and I was trying out the strawberry, and it also came with the uh, candy apple ones. I preferred the candy apple ones, the strawberry one. I got to give a few more tries to see what it tastes like. I, I find like I like the internal bar when it's the like chocolate inside. These were both kind of more of the the clear gelatin in there. The chocolate one has just a better texture, so I like it overall. And that's again, get the mix box. You can't go wrong. It's just fantastic. And this is my fourth order of Built Bar, uh, becoming a sponsor for the show. They have then turned me into a passionate user of this product. It is something I use every day. It is a go-to item. It is my go-to breakfast, sometimes my go-to lunch. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Get 20% off your order. You won't regret it. It is the best tasting bar I've had. It is gluten-free, which is a big bonus for me, and I just continue to love this product. So 
use the promo code locked on when you go to builtbar.com and try a product that again i love to death so the previously mentioned two players that the cleveland indians would acquire i mean it's a it's a good haul uh in terms of just straight valuation when i looked at like the trade surplus tool which is not a perfect thing but it, uh, it without the indians taking on salary it's a minor overpay if they take on odovino's salary it gets them pretty much right to that matchup point if they're not taking on the whole salary it still leaves them within an area where it makes sense as a trade and while it might seem expensive every piece out of new york right now is talking about trading luke Voigt, and it's because he he's a dh and they already have stanton to be a dh and if they trade Luke Voigt, the idea is that Miguel, Miguel, Michael Anjouar would move into first base and hopefully establish himself there, that he's not a great third baseman defensively anyways, and you could put him at first base. And honestly, there are enough players on the market that they could probably find a first baseman. I mean, CJ Crone has produced every single year and still is out on the market. Uh, he was hurt this past year and didn't get that opportunity. But I don't think it's very hard to find a first baseman. Let's just be honest. And Mike Talkman, who's been productive for them for a few years, has some experience at first base as well, I believe. Uh, and Mike Ford, who has had some uh, good performances, they have internal options. And Luke Voigt is, again, he's 29. I believe he turns 30 before the start of the season. So he's on the wrong end of that aging curve when you uh, you look at players. Yeah, it turns 30 in February. Wrong end of the aging curve, especially for bigger-bodied first basemen. And his position is, uh, uh, his defensive value is very low. Uh, it, I mean, last year he was like worth neg- over a negative win defensively. So it, it, that hurts his offensive value. Put him at DH, he's great. Um, you're, like I said, I did have some concerns. It's, when he had that great breakout with the Yankees, he had an unsustainable bat pip this past year. It was actually 268. You could say that he was unlucky this year in his contact rates. Defense is a huge issue. Uh, base running is not great, but you're just there to let him hit the ball hard. So if you could trade for him, I think great. And again, he's arbitration eligible this year, not a free agent until 2025, and he becomes your DH of the future. I know we already have Fran Mill there, but we'll discuss that in a bit. As for Clint Frazier, he he looked great when finally given an opportunity this year, but there's no guarantee, again, that he would have a shot next year to play every day for the New York Yankees. Uh, we mentioned Talkman uh, could fill into that role. It, a lot of this, I think, with the Yankees has to do, like, can they flip Hicks somewhere? Because he's someone else who has a negative value for them. But at the same time, they don't really have another option. Who's going to move in and play center field for them? I, I don't see a great path for them in terms of having someone else. Now, it does mean that, essentially, when you're looking at next year's team, they improve by putting Lindor at shortstop. They shift the rest of that infield. Anjouar gets a chance to play at first base. Talkman is your left fielder. And then, you know, maybe they, with some of that, uh, you know, and we talked about them wanting to cut money. Uh, but if they have some extra money, maybe they can make a run at someone like Springer or um, Azuna in one of those outfield spots. This does give them the ability to have a little bit more flexibility on the market as well because. They're only adding about $10 million with Lindor now. Now, it's not ideal. There's going to have to, they, if you're trading for him, you're going to try to give him that long-term contract. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they would balance things. 
but they do have two players that have produced who can step right in, and, and Talkman and uh, Andrew are for the Yankees. Frazier is, you know, a similar story, not a free agent until 2025, just hitting arbitration this year. Has had some up and down performances, but what, what stood out in the 39 games, 160 plate appearances, the walk rate was back up, and that is when he has been successful. The defense was has been not great, but you just kind of put him out there and hope for the best, and probably in right just because the arm is very strong, like that is a tool you don't worry about. But if you're the Indians and you, you're able to get the Yankees to make this trade, uh, if they are motivated, and especially this is where the advantage could come in, if they trade, uh, you know, or if they trade, if LeMahieu walks and all of a sudden they need someone on that infield, uh, it sets up a situation again where they can easily shift Torres and go out and make the, the trade. Uh, I think LeMahieu signing with the Mets would be ideal for helping uh, get a little more value and put the Yankees a little more on tilt, uh, trying to make the big move. It, that type of stuff doesn't happen as much as it used to, but it certainly doesn't hurt, let's put it that way. And if you're the Cleveland Indians, when you make that trade, you're probably, I know people are already going, so now we have two DHs. Franmil Reyes played outfield for the Padres. Uh, is he great at it? No but he was better than Domingo Santana, who they ran out there. Uh, he's better than Mike Freeman, who got time in the outfield this year. There were much worse options uh, in that outfield, and you talk with him and explain to him, like, we need you to work on this. He should be. He's never probably going to be even an average defender, but left field is where you always put less than stellar defenders. And essentially what I would do if I was the Cleveland Indians is Fran Mil Reyes becomes your left fielder, Clint Frazier becomes your right fielder. And I'm kind of pausing here. Josh Naylor is your first baseman. And then when you're facing, a, that's against right-handers and, and Voigt's your DH. And when you're facing a left-hander, Voigt to first base then. I know he's not great there, but not as many lefties. Fran Mill to DH, Luplo to uh, left field, right field stays Frazier, center field. I mean, I'm hoping Daniel Johnson. I think he's got the highest ceiling of that group between Johnson, Mercado, um, and Zimmer. We'll see how that shakes out. You just let them all go for it. Now, that trade does mean the Indians do not get depth. They do not get anything beyond that, and they don't get an, a replacement at shortstop. They just don't. So shortstop is a disaster. But if you make that trade and you're heading into next year, at least the way I would pencil things up in my mind uh, for the Cleveland Indians is as such. And this is where it gets tricky because this team gets very right-handed very quickly. All those years of uh, yearning for right-handed bats, this would be the lineup that is uh, shows why that can present difficulties. Um, I, I guess at shortstop, I would probably be looking at someone like uh, Owen Miller is probably the player who I would project to break. I don't know if that's necessarily the easiest one to go with but I think uh, I'd probably lean there and you're probably leaning towards Yu Chen Chang at second base unless they could sign someone else so keep that in mind uh, as we lean into uh, attempting to project a lineup which not easy let's be honest uh, I, I mean I'm trying to build outwards because you assume Jose Ramirez uh, using kind of an old school approach would be three with Luke Voigt four five would probably be Fran Mill so maybe Frazier at two. Um, 
six is so it's like okay so then we gotta figure out Naylor is maybe six uh seven Roberto Perez uh see this is the problem with trying to do these things off the top of my head I, I know I'm uh, if you assume you know third base three we've got our first or DH at four our one outfielder at five another outfielder at two uh, first baseman at six. Uh, yeah, this is, it's not a, a fun, I, I guess Owen Miller, maybe make him one, your shortstop there. Uh, Chang at nine, eight would be Perez. So then at seven, uh, whoever your center fielder is, uh, yeah. Unless you've moved your center fielder to one and Miller, I don't know. But this is kind of the, the thing. Yeah, right now it shows that this is with them trading one bat for two, doing a one for two exchange. That is how shaky this lineup is right now. And that's more than anything else, maybe what to take away from this podcast here at the end. This lineup is so ill-defined. Uh, first base, second base, short stop uh, are all going to be new. Center field is undefined as well. Uh, so that gives you four guys that you're like, um, four spots that are currently sitting kind of wide open because yes, Lindor is technically there at short, but we not, know he's not going to be there when the season begins. So, uh, in some respects, it's, this is where they're getting, you know, it, it's easier to sell it be like, Hey, we got the home run champ in this trade. What a deal. Whereas with the Yankees, they're like, well, we're selling high on a guy who's on just turning 30 and likely to regress and can't play the field, and an outfielder who is yet to play a full season in the bigs and is already arbitration eligible. That would be how the Yankees spin it. For the Indians, they're like, well, we bring back a player that we liked, and we get a home run champ. And even doing that, it's still hard to do a lineup because there are so many holes on this team. This is why uh, it would have been nice over the last two years to get Yu Chen Chang more than a handful of plate appearances to see what he could do. See if, I, I mean... The, the ceiling for Chang was always Johnny Peralta. That was the high-end ceiling. Uh, that if, you know, when Vizquel left, we had Peralta. With Lindor leaving, wouldn't it be nice to have another Peralta type? And that's what Chang, I think, could have been. But uh, injuries hurt him in 19 and in 20. Just the world hurt his opportunities. It would have been nice to see him get more of a look. Guys like Ty Freeman are far out. Um, eventually, maybe Nolan Jones moves in. But again, then... Nolan Jones outfielder, Nolan Jones first baseman, Nolan Jones DH, Jose Ramirez, Do you, is he willing to move? And if so, do you talk about where he's going to play? I mean, I think you let Jose Ramirez play where Jose Ramirez wants to play. Um, short was never the best position. I always thought it'd be like second base more long term, but whew, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's This team in general is going to be an interesting one to figure out because... They are so ill-defined. Like, we know pretty much their pitching staff, and I think you can go through and pretty easily figure out, even with the Carrasco trade, like, who the five starters would be. And with the bullpen, I think you can pretty easily figure out the lines there, barring some, you know, uh, some dumpster diving, which they'll do. Uh, But outside of those guys, it's... The lineup is, we know... Jose Ramirez will play somewhere on the infield, and that is the only infielder we know. Um, Catcher could still change. Let's be honest there. They have two players, uh, one of which is likely going to get traded. Uh, Luplo will be part of some platoon in the outfield. 
Fran Mill is going to be a DH or an outfielder. Uh, and it sounds like it's kind of crazy with as much as they are penny pinching, but they'll bring back Delano to Shields, even though it's going to cost them a few million dollars. They're going to go out and offer him arbitration, which is mind blowing. But that sets him up to likely be the starter in center field to start next year, which is not great, but it's probably going to happen. And yeah, it, this is why when I go through and I look at the Mets, I was like, okay, a three for one where they get three potential starters. Because the Indians lineup needs to add, like, three potential starters. They are in that situation right now. And the young help, like, Nolan Jones, in a typical developmental year, would have seen time in the majors last year with a plan for him set for this year. And I feel like there is not quite the plan set. And then just with the craziness of this year and the general way that Tito runs a team, he does he prefers his vets. He is such a vet uh, manager that... A lot of young players like Yu Chen Chang, like Daniel Johnson, and I know he wasn't the manager for most of last year, so they can't all be put on his door. But uh, these young players, unless they are the the high end ones or they really blow the doors off, just are not getting those opportunities to prove themselves. I don't know what the, they're gonna do. It's it's gonna be very very interesting, and I think that's part of the reason that like we talk about that trade. Uh, with Lindor, and we focus again because that's what I'm getting questions daily on, but why would they also look to move Carrasco on top of monetary savings? If they can find an infielder, you know, if they can move Lindor in a trade like that Yankees one, then all of a sudden you're looking to move Carrasco just to find someone who can be an infielder, because we're talking about, like, two unprovens on the infield. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be an, an off-season to follow. I mean, that is for sure. This is, it's going to be chaos uh, 100% all the time with this team. There's just going to be so much going on. There's so many things they have to do. And for as strong as their minors are, that talent just is not ready to step up. It's not ready to fill the gaps yet. We were hoping that Daniel Johnson would be established by now, so they'd have one of those spots, and we were hoping that Nolan Jones would have maybe been established as well. But uh, 2020 put a crimp in everyone's plans in terms of baseball, so we will see. So that has been my New York-focused uh, Francisco Lindor podcast. Uh, I, hey, I'm like the rest of the world. I, I tapped completely into the zeitgeist because that is what every article I saw was about. Uh, it essentially came down to Yankees, Mets, uh Sometimes talking about the Dodgers, uh, sometimes talk with uh, the Angels. I mean, it, it, everyone got some sometimes talk, and we'll go back to, to digging through the rest of the league after this, trying to find and do more than just a Lindor trade, trying to find that ex, excess talent, excess roster. And, of course, we will still discuss Lindor, which, e, which each and every team that we, uh, we go through. Gotten through the National League, going to go back to the AL West for the rest of this week. Uh, tomorrow's show is the WKYC show, so it tends to be more of a little bit of a broad focus. So we'll see what happens in the news, and that will have a direct effect on tomorrow's show as well. Or give me some ideas. We can always do a mailbag, or if you have a fun idea for the video broadcast, we can do that as well. Uh, now that things are getting a little more calm, I also need to start getting those guests on. I have some people lined up. I just need to finalize details. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Uh, I am already getting some fun scouting videos in my mailbox that I am diving into, by the way, with that. So draft is in full session. Uh, so expect more talk on that as well. 
again, I have been Jeff Ellis. This is the Lockdown Indians podcast. Uh, remember to rate and review. Download daily. It all helps. And as always, go Tribe.